You're listening to the Butterfly Effect Podcast, episode number seven. Today I'm in Toronto at CrossFit Solid Ground with Patrick Vellner, the second fittest man in the entire world, along with Justin Tamani, who is the head coach and partner here at Solid Ground where Patrick does his training. To say this episode is the most unique one yet is definitely an understatement. This episode of the Butterfly Effect Podcast is sponsored by The Sweat Effect. Are time and cost playing a role in your ability to get an effective workout in? Are you overwhelmed by the thought of joining a new gym but need direction on how to move and what exercises you should be doing? The Sweat Effect is an online fitness program designed with all of those things in mind. For only $25 a month, you receive access to an exclusive private Facebook group where all of your warm-ups and workouts are given to you with video instruction on how to move properly while getting an efficient workout in. Visit thesweateffect.com for more details on our programs and services. This is the Butterfly Effect Podcast, and I'm Ashlyn Newlove, tackling everything from fitness, nutrition, business, life, ice cream cones, and everything else in between to help inspire people to make one change that causes their ripple effect. Welcome to episode number seven. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm a fitness and nutrition coach helping people have fun, keep fit, and reach their goals while they're at it with my online program, The Sweat Effect. I met Justin last year through mutual friends at a local competition called the Bridge City Beatdown. We kept in touch this past year via Instagram, as all good friends do, and when we were invited to a wedding in Toronto, I told him we'd be coming by for a workout when we were in town. I know some of my listeners aren't into CrossFit, so I'll give you the cliff notes on who Patrick Vellner is. In a sport that has thousands of competitors gunning for the podium from all around the world, a few weeks ago he proved himself to be the second fittest guy on the planet. Plus he's Canadian, so that's pretty cool. Not only is he super dedicated to his sport, he's also in the process of completing his doctorate of chiropractic, so he's friggin' smart too. All right, so if you boys are ready, we're going to jump right into it. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so we're just going to get into a little bit of background stuff. How did you get into CrossFit? And I want to hear from both of you. So, Pat, what was the journey like? Um, so I competed in a lot of different sports growing up. Primarily, I was a gymnast and a lacrosse player. And then um, when I moved, I'm, I grew up in Alberta, and I moved out east for school. I went to school in Montreal, uh, did my University of McGill, and I, when I moved there, I had retired from gymnastics kind of a year before, a year or two before, and uh, I just sort of like, that's, gymnastics takes up a lot of training time, um, like 25 plus hours a week kind of thing in the gym, so I had a big gap and a lot of free time, so I was just kind of going to the gym, doing some normal training, circuit training like I had been doing for gymnastics, and I met some friends there that were doing these workouts like crossfit workouts and so i just started working out with them because it's more fun than working out by yourself um and so they were doing crossfit and i just sort of started doing that started like weightlifting a bit more with them they kind of helped teach me how to like olympic lift a little bit um and those are some things i wasn't very good at obviously to start uh with no background in that so uh it was fun to like learn new skills and try to to see some growth and uh and some progression in something new 
So it was fun. I mean, I could help teach them some of the gymnastics stuff and they helped teach me some weightlifting and we just sort of like had fun training together and, and working out. And so that was like 2013, probably, uh, yeah, right at the start of 2013. And then I did the open. They just said they were going to do the open and they said to do it with them. So. And I where were the you then. training then? I was just working out at my school gym in Montreal. At oh, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, so I did the open with them that year and sucked. And then, uh. <laughs> But then, yeah, that year I just kept working out with them and trying to get a little stronger. Like my, all my powerlifting, weightlifting was awful, like atrocious to start, but I was really way stronger in gymnastics than I needed to be. So, um, it was clear what I needed to focus on. And so I did a lot of that for the next year and I actually qualified for regionals the next year, still, uh, training just at school. Oh, just like that. Yeah. yeah. Just training at school. Where'd you finish that year? At the regionals? Yeah. Uh, fifth. Oh, um, that was when they took two? Was, yeah, they took two and there was a three-way tie for a second. Headband. Gotta bring the headband back. Yeah, that's right. That was when I had the wild hair and the headband. So Justin and Pat actually knew each other and it was from regionals, right, Justin? Uh, no, we competed that, at a couple small an things. event in Toronto that you came in from Montreal to do. Mm-hmm. And then that's where we first met. And then uh, we ran into each other at regionals in 2015 because... I was on a team and I was an individual and we ran into each other and I saw that he was going to be going to CMCC. So I was like, Hey Pat, my gym's right around the corner. If you you want to come out and then he did. And then that was, yeah, it's three years now. Awesome. What people kind of want to know is what a typical day in the life looks like for you, because you could probably say that you're, training and whatnot looks a lot different than a lot of the other athletes out there because some of them are doing it as their full-time job, but that's not the case for you. Yeah. Um, usually what I would tell people is that probably my training doesn't look any different than theirs does. Realistically, um, once we're in the gym, things aren't that different between a lot of the athletes, particularly like at the games level or whatever, we're all doing a lot of the similar stuff, putting the similar amount of hours in, I, the difference is just what I do in between. Like, I think a lot of the other athletes are either are staying at the gym, coaching, just recovery, whatever. Um, there's a lot more of that that they do, and I just don't do that. Uh, I go to school. I, I'm working as an intern now uh, as a chiropractor. And so I spend a little bit less time maybe sleeping, recovering, doing like things like that. But once we're in the gym, you're in the gym and you you put your head down and you do whatever you have to do that day. So for me, it's more about like, when do I get into the gym? Sometimes I have to really compress sessions and do things, uh, do like two sessions in a row back to back. Or like, how do I, how do I fit my five hours of programming into three hours? And how do I do this? And how do I, where, like, where do all the pieces fit? And that's the hardest part for me is just where to juggle that. And I mean, I've gotten reasonably good at it. It's just, like I said, sometimes maybe you get up an hour earlier, you stay up an hour later and you have to like, I have to go straight from school to the gym and then like. Like some people take that recovery part so seriously. So them, you know, missing out on an hour of sleep or, you know, having to compress five hours of training into three hours just wouldn't happen for them. That wouldn't be on the radar. Like. Do you even see it as, you know, like I'm doing some things that are different than what they're doing? Well, one thing that I actually, I I actually use that as an example of why I'm good at the games. Is that like when people 
are so used to being on the same schedule all the time. You always have the same food, the same sleep schedule. You train at the same time. You do the same things. When you go to the games or some competition where things are just going to be a bit random and you don't have that control, it screws people up and they panic. And like, I just don't have that because I don't have that structure. Like things just fit where they fit. And if you want to get things done in your day, like you have to do them at a certain time. And it's just like, I always looked at it as like, you, you make, you make time for things that matter, matter to you and, and things that you want to do. If you really want to do it, you'll make time for it and you'll make it work. So if I want to compete at this level and I want to do this and I want to still like have my education and I want to do things like you just got to make it work. Like you figure it out, you maybe, like I said, you get up earlier, you stay up later. Like if I have to sacrifice an hour of sleep here and there, like that's fine. Like I'm okay. Um, so it's just, it, it's, and it's, it's a short term deal. Like I'm not going to be in school forever and I'm not going to be doing this forever either. Like competing across it forever. But um, yeah, are the, are the two things, do they work super well together? No. But I think it's, it's a, for me, it's a cool example as well of how, I mean, this is what everybody does in their life. Like you work a nine to five job and you got to try to like get your time with your family and your fitness and like try to eat well. Like I'm just like the same as that, like maybe to a little bit of an extrapolated degree, but uh, it's just the same. So I think it's cool and it kind of gives people hope a little bit. <laughs> for sure. And um, I, I have a mutual friend that knows you, but she was saying that you're somewhat of a maybe a, even slightly on the verge of a genius. Now, I don't know. You're probably not even going to. <laughs> Are you a modern day Goodwill hunting is my question. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I do. I've always done well in school. And I think that, yeah, like I, I put in less hours maybe than some people I know. Um, like it, does it come easier to you? Like, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, like maybe, I guess like, I, it's like asking someone, it's like, do genetics play a role? Like, yeah, mate, probably. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't know, right? It's, it's hard to uh, objectively screen yourself like that. But um, I do make good use of my time. Like when I, I try to, when I'm working, I don't waste time. You know, like when I'm, if I'm going to go to the library and study for, like for an exam, like I'm not going to go there and spend six hours in the library and spend half of it on Facebook. Like you're going to, if, if I only have, because I know I have this training session and this and this and a few other things I need to do in the day. And if I want to do all those things, like when you get to the library, you're going to bust your ass for two hours and then you can leave. And then you can go and go to the gym for two hours and then you can leave. And it's just like high efficiency use of time is super important to me because it's the only way that my life works. Otherwise, it, it just doesn't. Things don't fit. There's not enough time. There's not enough hours in a day. I don't have people helping me. Like it's not so... Yeah, like I, I, I do pretty well in school. I always have. I think I, I have a bit of a knack for it. I understand how to, how to play the game in school a little bit. So there's times where like, yeah, I don't know, like I'll study one day for an exam and do well on it. Like, I, like I, I don't know, I, I do reasonably well, but um, it's, I don't think it's because I don't work. No. It's, it's because I, I work very well and maybe just work differently than other people. And at the end of the day, I've been in school for a really long time now and it's, it's knowing how you work. Like, how do you, if, if, if somebody, a friend of mine wants to go do something a totally different way or spend hours doing this assignment or this project or this studying for this, that's great. All the power to you. But like, I don't work like that. I can't, I can't sit still for, for more than two hours. Like I know that I need to package my time in like small clusters and just like go nose to the grindstone for two hard hours and then leave. 
and then do something else and then do that for an hour and then leave and then do something else for an hour and then leave and just like really put high output into those little packages. So it's just knowing how you work well and like what are you best at and where are you gonna, how do you maximize your own output? Cause there's a few um, guys that you go to school with, guys and girls that come to the gym here, right? Yeah. Have you, Justin, heard any differences in like, cause they're... I mean, I've heard a little bit, but I've definitely heard people say that Pat studies a lot less than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know exactly what their course load and what they have to do. Like I've seen some of it. I've seen their like lecture schedule and I know that you don't go to many lectures, but I also know that nobody else goes to lectures either. So it's not just you. Yeah, see? So. Okay, yeah. I, I think there's a bit of a difference to, like I can, I, can, I can do well in school, I can pass an exam. Like, oh boy, can I pass an exam. Like, I know how to write exams. But, like, that doesn't necessarily translate to, like, remembering all the content all the time. But the nature of some of the ways I have to study when I'm around competition or things like that, like, if I only spend one day studying for an exam and then I have three exams, three back-to-back -back days and I'm doing like one-offs, I'm just like learning the material so I can write this exam and I'm going to forget half of it and like the next day because I'm putting a whole bunch more in. Whereas if you do that continuous studying, you totally are going to remember way more than, than maybe I will. I have a, a good familiarity with a lot of it, but I wouldn't say, I'm, I'm not the guy that like will rattle off dates or like this researcher in this article and like oh did you read like this guy's paper on this at this date like i don't know that stuff but i'm like familiar with their work like yeah it's efficient right <laughs> okay so we talked about this a little bit we actually just finished a workout that you guys did at the games it was a 1296 of power snatches and bar muscle-ups and we were just kind of talking about the time comparison today compared to what you did it at that day in the games. so today what was your time 340. And what were what was your time that day? 316. And that was in the third day of competition? Yeah, that was Saturday night. Yeah, third day of competition. Okay, and so just hitting a regular class here because right now you're just you're just kind of getting into just the flow, right? Just doing classes? I'm, Is yeah, that... I'm just chilling. It's just... still post-games. Like, I'm not uh, trying to win any awards right now. Yeah, and so we were just kind of talking about just the drive, the push that the other competitors give you when you're out there and you said you didn't do anything differently that you did that day, but there was a 20 second difference in the times. So we kind of talked about like training versus competing and every time that you step into the gym, when do you smash on yourself as hard as you can go and when are the times that you're perfecting things? Um, that's a good question. I actually usually lean more towards the like, um, hone your craft. Like I, <clears throat> I, I look at the whole thing as like, there's a lot of pieces and you need to master various different pieces. And I, I, I try to look at the purpose of every different piece of training that I have. So let's say I'm going into the games, I come into the gym and I have like 10 pieces to do. Um, usually I have pretty open dialogue with my coach where I can say, okay, like what, the night before or the day of I'll message her and say, you know, like, what, what am I doing that? Like in this workout, what's the purpose? What's that? What am I doing here? What am I doing this? Some things it's very obvious, but it's others it's less. So like we have these, whatever intervals, like, okay, are these sprint intervals? Am I trying to ride like 80% uh, capacity and never, and never slow down? Like every, every round should be the exact same speed. Or do you want me to just like hammer the first one and be dying on the last one? Do you want me to, 
uh, in this workout, am I doing unbroken? Am I built? Am I trying to just like unbroken until failure, or am I trying to go for your fastest possible time? Um, and I think that there's a time and a place, and I usually let her decide that. I, I don't, I don't want to decide that. Um, in competition, you're going for your fastest time, but it's important to train different tools so that you know how you can react in different ways. Like some days, it's important to stretch your maximum unbroken, like how what, like fail, push failure, but. Some days it's, it's kind of important to like, you'll get a higher aerobic stimulus maybe by not pushing failure and just going faster in the workout. So like what's more valuable today? What's more valuable this week? Like what in the, in the periodization process, like what are we prioritizing right now? Um, so usually, like I said, I, I, don't, I try to just ask those things and I don't, uh, I don't worry about it too much. I just let her tell me. And I, my job is to, again, like this is come back, comes back to like my time management is, I, I don't want to be involved in that decision making. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to waste an extra thought. I have a lot of thinking I have to do at school and at work and things like that. And the, the less thinking I have to do when I get to the gym, the better. Like my job is to show up and be an athlete, do what I'm told, do it as best as I can and then leave. Um, and that's what I try to do. So the more instructions I have, the better. And so we talk a lot about that. And um, I think it's important to not get hung up on like, oh, you know, like today was like build to a heavy whatever snatch. And I only hit like way less than my max. Like, well, oh man, like that sucks. And it's really hard to not think that way sometimes because everybody, like, I mean, it's, it's social media is so big. Like everyone's posting their max lifts and these, it's sexy and it's whatever. But the, the point is, okay, that day, like, did you get a heavy stimulus? Like, yeah, you did. Okay, good. No problem. Like, don't worry about it. Move past it. Some days you're just, your system's beat down. Like when it's a week of games training and like on the Friday, I like, I'm not hitting a 90% lift and I can't be like pouty about that. Like your system's trashed. You're not, you're not like where you are. And it's important to know because come Saturday at the games, Sunday at the games, if there's a heavy lift, like you need to know what your threshold is. What's your capacity? Like, how do you react in that situation? So you have to test things in different ways. Like, is that, um, if I have a maximal, a max effort when I'm fresh versus a max effort when I'm trash like what's the difference how do I approach that differently so yes yeah, so some people might not know this but um Pat follows programming for Michelle Latondro who's a past games athlete as well um you do most of your training here but you do some of the of your training at the school when you have to fit it in there as well but and we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording but we were talking about just the vibe around the gym and what the members are like when Pat's in the gym and you know, when there's classes going on and things like that, like Justin, what do you, I guess, what's the vibe around here? So day to day, like times right, like right now, Pat's in classes, he's doing whatever everybody else is doing. He jumps in, does the warm up, does the prep. Like he's, he's not above that kind of stuff. Um, get closer to, I don't know what, like October, November, start to gear it up. A little bit more for open stuff so start doing sessions based on how he feels with michelle's programming things like that and then members just he's just another member sometimes he's in the corner like doing things by himself and just doing his thing because he's got to get ready for the games and open and regionals and things like that but he's just another guy that's here he's another member and he's another part of the community and we talked about or he was even just talking about it a minute ago that he doesn't always feel like he's a part of the community, but I think everybody takes um, ownership over Pat in some way. And, like he's part of the community. He's here. Like 
hats at my gym. Like yes. I think people are super proud of that, and it's it's kind of cool for for them when they go out and they talk to other people who know CrossFit and things like that. And they I think they talk about it a lot, and I I hope that it shows. But uh, you know, there's tons of support from the community and the members here for for whatever Pat's doing and. It's the open regionals games, like open announcements. Everybody's watching, like that kind of thing. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of you were saying, like you know, if there's a class on, you're kind of like hanging back in the corner, like you know, trying to trying to stay out of their way too, and respectful of the classes and the coaches and everything that's going on around here. Yeah, for sure. At the end of the day, like we're the, the Justin and the and the coaches here have given me a lot of leeway to do what I need to do to to be my best when I need to be my best. And, uh, so like you sort of want to, I, I take that, that, uh, space that they've given me and like, that's awesome. And I try to really take advantage of it, but I don't want to take advantage of the gym where like they're, they're running classes for members who are coming in and they're trying to get their fitness in. And, um, like I don't want to be in everybody's way. Right. So as much as I can help it, it's just, it's as simple as like, it's just courtesy really is all it is. It's just saying like, Hey, when a class is starting, like, Oh, what, what space are you guys using? Like, where are you guys going to be? Like, is it okay if I'm over here doing this? Is that going to bother anything? Like, and I mean, most of the time, no one's ever going to say like, Oh no, you can't do that. Um, and usually I'm not asking for things unreasonable either. It's not like, Oh, uh, I'm going to need to like move this sled all the way through the class. Like whatever. Like I just, if I have something like that, I'll do it when there's no classes on. Right. But if I, if it's like, Oh, is it cool if I use one rack over here to do some like, squats and like, oh no problem now. like well, we should be fine only using these ones or like the class isn't super big so like yeah you can use the one rope like no problem so it's great they've been super good and um and yeah i mean it's it's fun this time of year is super fun to be back to being kind of like part of the gym and part of the community when uh it's fun to like just do the class and do exactly what people are doing i know when i first started training here uh, I did, I would do usually like a little bit of weightlifting, a little bit of extra accessory, and then I would do the group classes most of the time. Um, and then by certain times of the year, I would start to like, either I'd modify the class and like scale it up or do something a little bit differently to, to challenge myself a little bit more. Because the one problem I ran into is that a lot of the classes are programmed for, you know, like a certain level of athlete. Uh, and accessibility for everybody. So when I was doing them, I found I was doing a lot of workouts that would fall in, in a certain time domain and be like, almost everything we're programming, if it's not an AMRAP of some kind, I'm finishing it in like four to six minutes. And like, it doesn't matter what it is. And like, it could be a, a everyone else is like 15 minutes and I'm like six minutes. Yeah, but, like today's workout where you were but yeah, so, <laughs> under yeah. four and, and so I was eight and a half. For that, it's like, man, like I, when it comes to competition, I need to be able to compete in like a a 15 minute time domain, a 20 minute time domain. So I would just start changing things uh, a certain way. Um, and then when I started working with Michelle, I stopped doing as many group classes, but so this time of the year, it's fun. And I think it's fun for people to just see um, and to see me like do what they're doing. And like, this is, that's CrossFit. Like I'm doing the same thing you're doing. Like you can do the same thing. Like they, having something like today, like we programmed a, a games workout uh, in the gym and it's, it's not an outrageous workout. Like it's, it's pretty okay. It's some high skill, but like it's uh there's nothing crazy about it. Um, so a lot of people can like challenge themselves and sort of, you know, you can measure yourself against some, some really high caliber athletes. So I think people are, it's, it's fun to sort of see and if people come in and like check like, Oh, like if I was not in the class with them, but my score is on the board. Right. So they can go and look at like yesterday's workout and like, Oh, I wonder how many rounds Pat did. Like, Oh man, 
Like how did you how do you do that? And it sort of is motivating, I think, in a way for some people. For sure. And I think ownership is a really good word because how many people do you think just left that class and were like, Oh yeah, I worked out with Pat today. Right? Like it definitely happens from time to time and it's Pat was saying like he did a workout the other day and I would get messages at night because they I posted a video and Pat was just like in the background of it, Oh, what did Belner get? And I was like <laughs> You did like seven rounds. And you're like, oh man, I did four. Like, yeah, I know. Like, it's because that's how good he is. Like, you know, like things like that. Like, there's a there's a funny story about um, my brother-in-law's. I think it was my brother-in-law's girlfriend was like, oh, this guy looks like he's pretty good. Like, I'm just gonna like follow his pace the whole time. And then like four minutes into the workout, she's like, what the hell? Like, what's going on? Because that was um, when you first got here. And we're doing group classes all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. She was, and she had been to regionals on a team. Like she's a, a national level weightlifter, and she was like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> okay, so we did talk a little bit about recovery and maybe lack thereof at times. Now, I don't know if this is still the case. Do you still live in a house with four other people? There's four of us total. There's four of you total. Yeah. Is that challenging at times for? rest recovery all the in-between stuff studying it's four guys right <laughs> yeah it's four guys um it's not bad honestly like the reality of it is that like we're all we're all we all go to the same school so everyone's priorities are kind of the same like i just have this extra bubble of stuff that i do but um like they're all athletes uh, and they've done whatever like it's it's fun because i can sort of step away from like the stress of school or like the stress of like crossfit and competing and things and come home and it's just sort of like hang with the guys and like have a beer with them at night or whatever and just chill but uh now especially this year that we're three of us are are working as interns now and one uh is still in classes so we i mean we don't even see each other that much the the two of them that are working as well are on a, the opposite schedule that i am so the days that i work they're off and the days that they work i'm off so my days off, I spend more time training and a little bit more time like catching up on paperwork and things. And then the days I work, I work like from seven to three and then I'll come to the gym in the evening and do whatever. So it's not that bad. I mean, everyone's pretty, because everyone starts early, like usually we're getting up at like six in the morning uh, to get ready and be at the clinics. Um, you're kind of like, everyone's used to tiptoeing around a little bit and not disturbing everybody because our sleep schedules are kind of just opposite. Um, so it's good. There's a lot of courtesy. Like it's at the end of the day, we're, we're training in like a professional program. So there is a certain amount of professionalism as much as they're super fun and like we'll cut loose when we want to, but the, uh, there's a lot of professionalism in it. So the guys are great. Like everyone's super courteous and there's no problems. Your school doesn't, uh, like they're pretty serious about like the schedule. And I noticed you were back in the clinic on Tuesday after the games. I was. How did your central nervous system feel? It's like, it's fine. I could have gone for a little more sleep. I actually got delayed on the way back. So I didn't get home till like 2 a.m. And I'd be in the clinic at seven. So it was just like an early morning with like not a lot of rest. Yeah. Uh, and like the day, the Sunday of the games, like we went for drinks and partied afterwards at the after party. And then the Monday I did, I just kind of like walked around Madison and hung with my family a little bit before everybody took off. So I didn't really get any time to like rest properly. I had like two nights of really bad sleep and like travel and then was back in the clinic. So I was dragging my heels a little bit in clinic that day, but then I'm off the next day. So it was nice. I just got to kind of relax. Okay. This is a question for both of you. Do either of you have a nutrition coach? I do. 
You do? Yeah, I do too. And you do as well. Okay, uh, just give us a general idea of like food, foods that you eat typically during your day. Because I imagine you kind of probably stick to about the same things. Yeah, I usually eat eggs and oatmeal for breakfast with some fruit. And then I have like lots, I eat lots of white rice, like chicken, different vegetable options for like lunches. I usually do two kind of smaller lunches. Have like some fruit and nuts as snacks, and then dinners is usually like a fattier protein, and then some carb option as well, and vegetables again. But it's really like I eat a lot of carbs, like particularly when we're in season training, like it's performance nutrition. Like we need, I need lots of carbs to have energy to do what I do. So it just like that's the bottom line. It's just like trying to eat every like three hours or so, and uh, yeah, lots of whole foods, anyways. Yeah, for sure. I have a weird schedule because I have these big gaps where I'm coaching or I'm working out and I can't really eat or snack. So it's like I'll eat a big meal in the morning and then I'll eat a big meal after I train and then hopefully get a snack in between and then maybe like a shake or something like that and then a big meal at night. So like I get into these routines of having these like really big meals at weird times and then snacks if I'm lucky. So breakfast is like I've been into pancakes lately. Oh, nice. But that's like, that's like coach life. You're yeah. just like scarfing something in a back room somewhere yeah. in between classes. Like I get chicken and rice, like, like it's oh, nobody's business all day. all day. And then eggs and it's been pancakes for breakfast. And then dinner is like whatever. And then if I need more carbs and things like that, it's been either uh, cereal or frozen mango. Do you ever, do you always make fresh pancakes? Man, I or found this mix. Or do you make mix. a bunch and then like no, no, no. refrigerate fresh. them? I found yeah. this mix. And it's unreal. Nice. It's like just add water. It's banana pancakes. What? what? Like... You got to throw out a name here because oh, people, are gonna, be, people are gonna be people are gonna be. Because there's like sometimes when I'll make pancakes, you make a bunch and then you just kind of like throw a couple in a Tupperware, like maybe eat half of them, throw half for like another breakfast. But there is nothing more tragic than like like day old pancakes, you know? Oh man! Like but if you pancakes? freeze them and then heat them up, yeah, they're a little bit better. They're not maybe. soggy. It takes me five minutes it. to make breakfast in the morning with this stuff. They're called uh, Kitchen Castle. Let's go banana. You're a no-go on the Kodiak cakes then? I've never tried them. Oh. What are those? Costco special, but like a little bit, like little, like, I wouldn't call them like a protein pancake. I think there's maybe like 12 or 14 grams of protein in it, but same thing. Just add water and you can make waffles out of them too. So you yeah. can just like chuck them in the waffle. I've never maker. tried it, but Easy. like the banana sold me. Like the pre-made banana. Oh. I like it. Okay. I like it. You're mixing it up I'm a bit. Worst injury, either of you. Oh, you playing know. a sport? Yeah, or like, like CrossFit related. But, so, I mean, I've had bilateral inguinal hernia surgeries um, that's somewhat CrossFit, somewhat not CrossFit related. But, you know, knock on wood, I'm, I've been pretty decent otherwise. What you need just recently? No, nah, that was like, uh, so I had like a little like tendinopathy or something on my knee that set me back for a few weeks, uh, months, but yeah. Pat? I've got some good ones. <laughs> I mean, I bruised my lung this year at the games. Yeah, that's, I think that one. That's like an interesting one. But that doesn't uh, even take the cake. And then I tore my bicep in 2016 at the regionals. So event one, tears his bicep, and then finishes in second, third? Third, I think. Third at regionals and qualifies for the games. But tears his bicep at event one, where you didn't finish the event. That was the You race? got through a good amount of it, yeah. but. That was the dips? 
Ring no, ring? that was the next year. So it was the year before in the snatch ladder. Yeah. Oh. The but the thing ladder. is, he kept trying the lift and then would bail on it like your arm like wasn't working. But he kept <laughs> trying the lift. It was like the 245 bar on the snatch ladder. And it was like, oh, I'm just going to like blow up my bicep and then go do regional nade after with yeah, strict right. muscle ups. Yeah. And go out and like come in second or something. Maybe Matt beat you on yeah, that. Yeah, Matt beat me. But... Oh, but I beat oh he's fine. Else. Beat everybody else with one arm. Yeah. And then <laughs> healed semi before the games or? Yeah, I I spoke to an orthopedist there at regionals and kind of asked him about it. And he, he said like, I mean, if you for those sort of injuries, you sort of need to operate on it soon. Uh, it's a bit time sensitive, but it's not a mandatory surgery. Like, and frankly, I ended up looking it up after the fact and the surgery is not a great surgery either way. Uh, it doesn't actually restore a lot of function. It's mostly aesthetic. So, um, he basically said like, you'll be fine without it. If you're okay, like you have to, it'll take a couple of days for the inflammation to go down. So it'll hurt a little bit. Cause right now it's just sort of like, it's messing with other muscles and the dynamics are a little bit off, but it was about just, I did a lot of rehab, uh, for stability. And then, yeah, I mean, it's still, I think some things kind of bug me because my movement dynamics are a little different in my left arm now. Like I mentioned to my therapist the other day, uh, when we did that marathon row this year, my left like forearm, uh, like what muscle called your brachioradialis, which kind of covers your, expands your elbow. So it's like a pulling muscle when you're in a, a certain hand grip. Uh, on the left side was super cramped up and was like super crampy for the rest of the weekend because it just got like wrecked in that row from gripping like that for so long. But the right side was totally fine. And I think it's because of that. Like it's because I, lo I lost a little bit of that pull in, in pronation and now I, the other muscles just take that load. So initially in 2016, so there were some things that I had a hard time with because I'd get very crampy or I didn't have like the the durability or the endurance to to do certain movements for a long period of time. Um, like a lot of overhead stuff would cause me some issues. Pegboards would cause me some issues because that same pulling in a grip that was sort of like semi-pronated. Semi so yeah, it was like different muscles just sort of take that load. And at that point, they weren't trained to do it. Um, but then in the course of the next couple of years, like I've done a pretty good job of making sure that I'm ready to train like i've i've pr'd all my lifts since that injury and like it doesn't affect me would that have been the worst worst injury uh likely i uh, yeah probably most for in crossfit yeah the bruised lung we'll go we'll go into the the rope wall so you come over the rope wall what happens um so the what happened is this year we were allowed to climb multiple people on the wall at once Whereas the year before you had a lane, right? And they still had these black marks on the outsides of the net where if your hands or feet touched the black, you had to go back as Bosman would make us repeat all the time. So it was a no rep basically. Um, and that's a super costly no rep. That's a long rep to do. So because there was another athlete coming on the side of me, I like out of courtesy, I guess, just like went drifted to like the right side of the net. So there'd be more space for them to climb and like we weren't going to be kicking each other. Um, and then when I went over the top, normally when I do the, when I climb over the net, I like, I reach far over to the side and then I kind of swing over and bounce off the net and then fall back. 
But when I went to reach over, I was reaching my hands like straight for the fucking black line. I was like, oh no. And I had to choke up a bunch and then it made my transfer over very awkward. And I ended up kind of like handcuffing myself on my swing over. Um, so it just sort of like put me in an awkward position where my feet weren't where I wanted them to be, where they usually are. My hands weren't where they usually are. Like, and I just, so I ended up, instead of kind of bouncing off the net and swinging out and dropping, I, I ended up having to like take an extra step down the net and try to straighten myself out. And it's super slow to climb down the net. Like what you want is to get a body length down the net by just hanging. And then you just like swing out and drop. It's the best way to do it. Uh, and that's basically what everyone does. But because of that sort of awkward transfer, um, I ended up just in a weird spot. And then I was like, Hey, you can't climb down this net. Like it takes way too long. So I just went to kick back and then I just like hooked my one heel. I think cause the other guy was climbing on the net too. Like there's multiple people pulling on the net in different directions. Like when you go to kick back, maybe like they're pulling at the same time. And it's just, there's a lot of different things going on in an event like that. Uh, but yeah, so I just, when I went to go, I was like, Hey, well you just have to kick off the net. And then I just, I kicked off and hooked my one foot, like stuck on the net. I was like, oh, fuck. So it was pretty clear really fast that I was going straight <laughs> over backwards. And it was like a slow motion moment. Like, did your lung bother you then for the rest of the weekend? It's hard to say. Like, basically, the what the doctors told me is that, um, like, there was blood in my lungs. And they said, so basically you might have some compromised lung volume. So maybe you have like 95, 90% of your lung capacity. Um, and I mean, in an exercise competition, that's significant, but it's hard to say, like, do you, how often are you like, I don't know, I, I would say like, how often do you feel like, yeah, I, I was sore. Maybe if I did a full max inhale, like I could feel like something felt a little weird. I was sore, but yeah, like you're, it was the second day of the games. Like things are going to get worse before they get better in terms of soreness. Like when they're saying, "Hey, you know, like, you might be a little sore the next couple of days from that," it's like, "Yeah, no shit." Like <laughs> I'm sore from rowing a marathon and like doing a lot of other things as well, and like I'm not going to get better in the terms of these next two days. So yeah. the soreness just got swallowed up by the games, and I would say kind of days afterwards, when that kind of all wore off, I was still pretty sore, like on my left side. And I still have like a little bit of some stuff that I'm dealing with. And that's became clear that like, okay, that's from the fall. But uh, the lung, like, it's hard to say, you know, like there's not, I, I didn't do that day too. We came back and we had the speed clean and jerk and the Fibonacci. So both events that, I mean, the speed clean and jerk is like high heart rate for less than a minute. And then the Fibonacci is more muscular endurance and not as much like sustained aerobic pressure. So both of those events were short and okay. So I didn't feel bad in those. And I was more concerned when we did that swim run uh, event, paddleboard event the next day, like that's a 30 minute aerobic piece. Like now that's maybe something where I might feel that the difference, but it's hard to say, like, how do you compare? Like when I, if I, if you start today, and you run 400 meters at like a whatever pace and you finish and you think, okay, like how out of breath am I? And then you train that for a month and then you run the same 400 out of same pace. How out of breath are you like, and how do you compare that? Like, can you remember be like, do you feel like a lot better or like it's, it's hard to know. Like when it's, it's like growing taller, you're like, Oh, like, do I feel better today? Or like, do I, I don't know. Like, 
it's hard to know it's hard to know the, a subtle difference like that when like it's not like I was suffocating like I wasn't struggling to breathe I was breathing just fine if you're operating at 95 or 100 like what's the difference effectively so there was some I was a little concerned that I'd wake up the next day for that swim event and be like I was only riding adrenaline all day and I'd wake up in the morning and feel like shit but woke up and I was like all right I'm doing okay um the real test was like now when I swim 500 meter swim I'm not killer in the water and now I don't want to push it because I like I've been warned about my lungs not being the best so I'm like all right well whatever I kind of just like take a pace and just get through the water and be fine and then try to like reel people in on the paddleboard and the run and yeah like I don't know I was maybe maybe felt like I was a little more out of breath on the run than I normally would be but it's hard to say like because you just did two other things like it's really really hard because you can't compare to anything so getting through that event I was like 20th or 21st and I was totally happy with that because everything else from there seemed like fine and then I won the chaos event there and later that day so like I was I think my lungs were fine like I was operating at enough capacity that it was probably not a big deal like a negligible difference after the fall and after the bike because the bike was a malfunction that caused a crash it was just a straight up crash did it light a fire under your ass even more so or were you like holy shit what's happening right now um my whole week was like that like i had so many there's probably some things that people don't even notice that happened that i just like small mistakes and at the end of the day like you have to take ownership over that stuff because it's not like the bike one was one where um, we were a pack of all inexperienced riders for the most part. Like there might be whatever, let's say there's 10 experienced riders in a pack of 40. Um, Everyone's a liability. Like you could be the best rider in the pack and just get screwed by somebody who has no idea what they're doing. So especially in the first couple laps and we knew that and it was just sort of like, I took a turn and tried to give some space to somebody and I got cut off pretty hard by another rider who hit my front tire. And then I basically like, in order to stay up, had to like swerve hard and hit another rider. And then he went down and his bike hit my gear shift and took it straight off the bike. So like that just happens like that. And it was like, right away, you're like, shit. And initially I was like, cool, that like two years in a row event one just like got bombed. Like that's sweet. Um, That sucks. Yeah. But like, what are you going to do? Like, so we just, you figured it out, like, and it's fine. But after that, I, day one, the, the goal at the end of that was day one had four events and it was like, I want to be in the top 10 at the end of day one. Cause I don't want to lose a heat advantage for the rest of the weekend. So I have three events to make a lot of points up. Initially, actually, my, one of my first things I thought after that event was that I would have to try harder on the marathon than I wanted to. I don't think there's, if you need to have bad things happen to light a fire under you, you shouldn't be there. But um, it, it was irritating. And I think most of the time it was just, it was irritating because there were things that like I could have done to avoid most of those scenarios. And there was a lot of execution errors that I made over the course of the weekend, which is uncharacteristic for me. Like usually I have very good execution and other people make mistakes and I capitalize on those sort of things. So like after that fall happened, like I was like shaking my head at myself. Like, what are you doing? Like, but- what, like what is going on? Like, what are you doing? Like, figure it out. I think that's like a test your character, right? Other people would have been like, well, it was the bike's fault. It was that person who hit me. It was their fault. Like to take ownership of it and be like that. And that plays through to, I guess, the athlete that you are as well. Yeah, I think 
that's how you have to look at it like that and that's how you get better and that's how you like you keep making strides. There are athletes that bad things happen to over the course of the weekend and it took them out of the whole competition because they just, they don't snap back from that stuff. And there's just like, I don't know, there's 14 events this year. Like there's a lot of time and a lot of points to make things better, but you need like, no one else is going to hand it out to you. Like you need to make it better. So a lot of times things like that happen and our people's first instinct is to like, go appeal it afterwards. Like, what can you do for me? Like, what can you do for me? And like, I didn't even ask, like, I had a couple athletes ask me on the bike because they had things happen to them or like so-and-so did this and like, oh, are you going to go appeal? And I was like, no, like we were in a crash. Like that was the whole point of this event is that there was potential for crashes. And like, so what? I got, I got the bad end of the deal. Like sometimes you, you get to win, sometimes you have to lose. <laughs> I was like, That's, you know what? Like That mental approach though is different than a lot of athletes. Like they're going to be playing a victim card in that, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's one thing about Pat is like, he never plays that. Like he blows up his bicep. Like I'm just going to go out and do the best I can on every event. And like his training pays off there, you know, like he's trained to do these things. He's trained under fatigue to be good when he needs to. And these injuries and these weird circumstances, like when you fell, you still finished it fourth in the event, right? Yeah. Third, fourth, fourth. right? And Inside of the stadium, we didn't know that he fell because the big screen that showed the O course was like blacked out for the bottom half. Like it wasn't working. So we didn't know you fell. So when he comes in, like, you say, oh, he's just cruising. Like he's doing his thing. And then you find out like, oh, he's been spitting up blood for the last 20 minutes. Like, oh, that's, that's not good. Yeah. But like his character comes out in that and his training comes out in that. Yeah. And what, you know, Michelle's prepared him with, like, you know, I get to see kind of the, the behind the scenes of every day and it's like, dude's miserable someday <laughs> training. Like, like just, and that's something that people don't see. And I think people should understand is like, he doesn't want to train. Like, he, like we had a funny conversation about like loving the process and that. And it's like, I've never seen somebody look so miserable, just crush workouts. Like he doesn't want to, but he just like. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't make up anything. He knows that like this training will pay off in August when we get to Madison. And it shows like this training, you can come back from a 36, 38th, whatever. I don't know what that was place finish. And it pays off on game day when it applies to 14 other events. Like, yeah, you had one bad event, whatever. Let's make it up the rest of the way. And it comes out. And I think a lot of people get caught up in, like you said, like the recovery, it has to be perfect and the nutrition and the sleep and, you know, listening or getting your HRV tested and all those things. You wake up, you get, you look at your programming, you feel like a bag of smashed apples. Do you listen to your body and say, I'm going to do it tomorrow? Or do you come in and get the work done anyways? This is again, I would probably send a message to my coach and say, Hey, like, this is what's on there, like, or whatever. Like I ripped my hands doing this stuff yesterday. Like, do you want me to change this? Or do you want me to just like try to tape up where grips and like try to go through it? Like there is a time and a place to like be a hero in certain things, but it's not every time. Um, so there is, it just, it just depends. Like most days I, I show up, like especially training for the games, like most days you show up and you're, you're beat up and you feel like crap, but it's just like, that's exactly what you're going to feel like on Saturday and Sunday at the game. So it's just, that's, that's why you do that. Um, so there is a purpose to it and like it, it's it does suck most of the time like training for the games is not a it's not glamorous like it's not 
at least not in the way that I'm doing it. And I mean, <laughs> maybe some people are doing sweet, fun stuff all the time, but like they might not be podiuming and like things like that. So I, I, there's like a lot of that talk about like loving the process and loving training and loving that. Like it's a means to an end. Like, like I liked, I like self-improvement. I like to challenge myself, but the pummeling that you take training for the games is not fun. And there's like, there's very little in it that's fun. Like the best part of your day is when you like finish the last thing and you're like, yeah, and you get to go home. <laughs> and like when you show up in the day and you write like parts one through 20 on the board and you're like, okay, who, like, where do we even start? And it's like, it's, it's a lot like, and it, it really takes a lot out of you and it, it takes a lot of your time. It takes like all your energy and it's just, it's a lot. So it's not, it's not fun a lot of the time. And, but it's, it's fun when you get to go compete and you get cool opportunities and like, it is for a purpose. And I think that that's, it's fine to say that like, no, you know what? Training today, like was not cool. Like that was not good at all. I hated that. And I have a very like vocal and, uh, relationship with my coach. And like, we, we talk like that to each other all the time and she's like, she gets it. And she had a very similar attitude when she was an athlete. So like, I'm kind of like a cynical, like realist in terms of a lot of that stuff. So I'll give it to her straight up, like what I'm thinking about this and whatever. And she just says like, yeah, like, guess what? Like, <laughs> you're going to do it again. And if you keep winning, you're whining, you're going to do it twice. Like, or you're going to do it next week too. It's like, all right, well. And I think that's what people forget. Like they just see the cool stuff that's on Instagram or on Netflix and all of those types of things. What's something bad that the fame has brought? Cause I mean, I know if, I don't even know if you think about this or not, but like, there are a lot of people who want to be you. There's a lot of people out there who would love to be your best friend, who want to train with you, who I'm sure you receive a million messages on Instagram from strangers and things like that. But like, what's something not as cool about all of that? Um, well, it definitely was cool this year, like even to what you were saying before about my approach to things and all the things that happened at the games this year. I felt like this year, a lot of the spectators like got on board with me and like were behind me just it was like I just kept coming you know like people were like man this guy like will not be stopped so it was that was fun and like it is cool and I mean in the fallout of that there's been a lot of uh I mean yeah people reach out all the time and well, like the I would say the worst thing is like the people like uh, drug allegations and things that always come and just like a lot of people that want handouts kind of is like oh. annoying like it's not a big deal i just don't answer them but yeah. like people are like hey can i get a shirt like can i get a this can i oh, get oh they and want like, physical yeah and you're like no <laughs> okay oh. <laughs> i didn't even <laughs> like, just send that. it on over to england and you're like dude what <laughs> are you noticed on the street uh like when you're out and about in the occasionally street? but i would say like rare like not not very often N not just around the gym and cross it's funny right it's sort of a very compartmentalized fame where any if you're in any crossfit event or crossfit gym like i'm it you know but if i'm out anywhere else like it doesn't matter so it's kind of cool like you go to regionals or go to the games and there's an amazing amount of fanfare and it's, it's really cool like you're just sort of a rock star for five days and then i get to come home and go to school and like maybe my buddies will be like hey nice work this weekend like high five a couple <laughs> instructors will be like hey i saw you compete this weekend like great job and like other than that that's all you get they're and like, it's fine. Get and back to work. Really, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. You're like, 
you're as valuable as like the, the patients you see and like the grades you get. And it's like, that's what I'm there for. And so that's what it's about. And it's uh so it's kind of cool to be able to, to walk away from that. I think, because if you, I frankly, if it was, if, if people recognize me to the degree that like they do at the games, which is like, I don't know, like, let's say you are like a rock star or something like that. Um, God, like that would be so wearing, like it's draining. And like everywhere you go, like people are yelling at you and you're like, it's amazing. Sometimes like at the Madison, when we do Coliseum events, you walk through the beer gardens uh, in and out and you kind of like, whatever, throw some high fives, take a couple pictures, sign a couple things on the way through. And athlete control is pretty good at just sort of like keeping us moving and like saying no to people. Like, sorry, the athletes have to go. And that way it's not you saying no. It's sort of like they, they really like, we were on a schedule and stuff, so they keep pushing us along. Um, otherwise, like you could be stuck there forever. But some people like dig at you, like, and they'll oh. they'll be a guy. Like, someone will like throw like three things out and be like, sign all three of these things, and you're like, what? Like, I'm trying to like sign like something for a kid, and like, or some guy's got your jersey on, yelling at you, and like, I remember I some guy wanted me to sign something. He was in like a back corner, and we had to leave, and I like signed one last thing for like a small girl, and then went to leave, and this guy's like. I can hear him screaming at me like, like, well, they're like, wanted me to sign a shirt, I think. And he's like, he's like, I've got your jersey. I got your jersey. Like, he's like, you won't, like, you can't turn down a fan or like something like that. And like, went like personal. And I was like, dude, like, chill out. But it was just like, it's funny. Like people get crazy and aggressive and it's, it's all, it's cool that they care so much. I have, I have one last question for you. They're a little bit different. So, um, Pat, one piece of advice you'd give someone who wants to be more competitive with CrossFit. So they're not the regular members. They are striving for more out of it. Just one piece of advice. Well, like, do they need to hire We a talk coach? a lot about is this. Is it programming? Yeah, yeah is we, it... we actually talk a lot about this. Uh, no, I don't think programming is going to make or break you. Um, I think a coach can. But coaches and programming are very different. Like if you buy Invictus programming online, Invictus doesn't coach you. Like a coach is like eyes on, you have a person there working with you. Yeah, a coach is super, super valuable. Like my coach I had when I was in Montreal was amazing. And like I made a ton of progress with him and learned some great lessons from him. And same like when I work with Michelle, like she's focused on like improving what you're doing. Like, and like I'm a good athlete, but I'm in by no means perfect. Um, there's a lot of things I can improve on and it's, it's finding, sometimes it's like those small details are what's most important. I think one of the biggest things you can, people need to do is like, they need to master their craft. Like there's too much, there's, there's too many people that go into workouts, like winging it and just like gung ho, like all energy in 20 directions. Like I'm going to do these 20 thrusters as fast as I can do them. My whole body's rigid. I'm like, that's not how you that's not how you move sustainably and fast and whatever. Like you need to have your wits about you. Like I think you need to get to a place where like you're fit enough that you can make decisions during a workout and think about things and have foresight. And I think that part of that is having a plan going in. It takes that out of it, but you just need to be able to like to move smooth. Like don't be too aggressive. Like let's say you're doing like, shoulder to overhead or something like that. Like, are you like, are you like flexing my whole body when you push the bar up? Cause you don't have to, like you're wasting energy. When you do a muscle up, like, are you squeezing your legs? Cause why? 
Like when you're doing things like you need to learn how to move with like my, one of my old coaches talked a lot about rhythm and like tempo and how when you move well, things should look like beautiful, like fluid, like there should be rhythm to it. Every rep should look the same. Like there's that sort of thing is super, super important. And if you can get to that point with each of your movements, CrossFit's super easy. It's just more about like, now it's just transitions and that's a whole different game. Like once you're at that point, you're at like regionals level where like you can win or lose in a game, uh, an event in transitions alone. And that's just a different way to think about stuff, but you need to master all your movements before you get there. And that's, I think just like fundamentally important to try to like move perfectly and, and don't rush into the next step before you have that. And I think a, a lot of people who are those in-betweeners and I can say that because, you know, that could be someone like myself. Anybody can come hot out of the gates on a workout. Literally anybody can do that and then fizzle off. I know because I can do that. And I think like the true athleticism is knowing how to do the workout. And like you said, ahead of time, knowing where to pace it, knowing where not to fuck yourself yeah. up. And that's, that's so personalized as well. Like, like let's say Justin and I do the same workout against each other. Um, we have different strengths in terms of movements, right? So you, your decision needs to be based on what, whatever the time domain is, the, the rep scheme, the whatever, like, do I want to use my strong movement? Let's say there's like, it's couplet. You have one strong movement, one weak movement, and we're opposites. Do you use your strong movement to relax and catch your breath and move at like a slow, steady pace? Whereas like we're moving at the same pace doing that movement, but I'm recovering and he's not. Or do I try to push on the gas in that strong movement and make up time? And it might depend how long the workout is. If it's 20 minutes, you might want to take that recovery. And then the next one where you have to work a little harder for those reps, you, you can get through it. But if it's only a short workout, like you're looking at five minutes, maybe you want to throttle the gas on that because like, hell, you'll survive for five minutes. It's fine. So it just depends. Like it's, you have to have, that's what I mean about like foresight about looking at like, what is this? And that just comes with how many workouts you've done. Like I've done a lot of workouts. Like I know how certain movements affect each other, how certain things happen. Like I've got movement strategies for like, if I have to do burpees with handstand pushups, I'll do my burpees differently than if I have to do burpees and pull-ups. And if I have to do this or that, like you can develop different strategies for different things because I know what muscles are going to be taxed, what's going to be the limiting factor. And I can anticipate that because I've just done it. And, and that comes back to the first thing though, of getting like mastering your craft and mastering the movements. Like people don't understand how to move. They know how to do the movement, but how to get that rhythm and that flow and that, like that takes time to learn. And you can't do the things that Pat's talking about unless you have the ability to control your speed, your tempo. Like, you know, if you ask Pat to do muscle ups and you watch him do, you know, his like 10 muscle ups in a row, he may be doing the first four with one approach, the next four with another approach, and then the last two with a completely different approach. But to you, it looks like, oh, that's just a muscle up. But he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm intentionally doing this on my front swing. I'm intentionally doing this on my back swing. I'm kipping the first two. I'm doing the next two, like different things to set himself up for the next movement. And that comes back to mastering your movement. I like it. Okay, this one's for you. Last one for you, Justin. Um, advice for someone who's interested in CrossFit, but they've only seen it on Netflix. 
<laughs> Which, as we know, happens quite often these days. Oh, um, hey, I saw the documentary. I want yeah. to go to the games. Yeah. Oh, man. Actually, somebody said that to me the other day. That's another oh. story. They said they want to compete at regionals. And I was like, oh. I get I get those in the DMs. Like, hey, uh, I want to compete at the games in 2020. Like, uh, what, can you help me out? Like, what's yeah. your advice? I'm like, holy. Yeah. It's like, buddy, I want to compete at the games in 2020. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my advice is just to find a good gym that you can learn and that will allow for you to grow within that that environment. Like um, getting a coach, having a, a box that will allow you to do what you need to do and, and it teach you the proper progressions. If you can't do a pull-up and they walk in the fir- or you walk in the first day and they're telling you, yeah, just do 20 of these pull-ups and you're just dying for, you know, 20 minutes on a five-minute workout, like it's probably not a good gym. So go into a gym that you feel comfortable in and you feel good with the coaches and try different places out. Like most areas have multiple CrossFit gyms now. Like don't just try one. If you're going to go for your first day, try multiple gyms. And then the most comfortable place will, will shine after, you know, you see three, four different environments. I think people forget too, like what even is the percentage of games athletes to the population like we call you guys normies yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> no I, I i don't know zero it's, point it's zero very zero one yeah it's I, even even to regionals or which is like a 10 times the amount of games athletes or whatever right it's um it's something like i think even regionals is less than a percent i was gonna say i don't even think it's a percent for so regionals 40 uh, let's say 80 two make it as an individual male or female like people forget that and they see the documentaries and the we are the point zero 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 two percent yeah and they are like that's what i'm gonna do and they don't realize what you do isn't going to crossfit every day it's hard <laughs> it's really hard sometimes <laughs> but what you do is you're an athlete in your sport you're the sydney crosby of your sport and that's like somebody walking in off the street into the rink and... Yeah. And what it's, it's like you said before about um, the games is just a snapshot, right? Like you get people see that and it's, it's sweet and it's glamorous, but it comes back to like what we're saying. Like it's, it's dedication and it's like persistency and persistent training over the course of like, for some people it's years. Like there's guys who've been going to regionals for four years, five years, never made it to the games. Like there's not... You, people see that and they're like, that looks sweet. Like, but yeah, it's like watching like someone do their Olympics run and then be like, oh yeah, sweet. I want to do that. Like yeah. it's, it, there's a lot of time. Like there's a lot, a lot of time that goes into it. And it's, it's super challenging. Well, like the other thing is like, look at training age. Like, you know, you see, okay, Pat's done qualified for your first games in 2016, right? And yeah. how old were you? 15, you're on a team. 26. 14, you came in fifth at regionals, which gets really overseen because you did that year of, of team, yeah. right? So that was your second open you qualified. But you, that, that point puts you at 23, 24? 23 when I started CrossFit. So, but you started training at eight, nine? Oh, yeah. Doing gymnastics. And that's the thing, exactly. That's what people don't see. Is yeah. Like, I started training for playing sports in a competitive environment and in a gym with a structured program when I was 14. I made my first regionals when I was... 28 that's 14 years of training four years of training crossfit every day you know focusing is my main focus but that's you know that's what people don't see they yeah. get into it at 20 
and they're like, oh, I've never been to a gym before. It's like, you want to go to regionals next year? Like, you better be a freak athlete with some good genes or something. Yeah. And it's, um, it's yeah, it's just, it's, it's long, it's long term work. Like it, you have to show up on the bad days. Like it's, it's easy to be an athlete. Like it's, it's honestly, it's easy to be an athlete at the games or at the regionals or whatever. Like it's easy to show up and compete at competition. What's hard is to stay motivated for a whole year to like maybe yeah. make it there and to like show up for that one competition after a year of training. Like that's yeah. super challenging. Some days you show up and like everything hurts and it sucks and you're tired and the day's going to be long. And like, that's when you have to like, like that's when you win the games, like yeah. right there. Uh, like you show up and like some stuff's on there that you really don't like and like you have to do it. Like that's the stuff you especially have to do. Um, so like that's like that's the the secret. Like there's no yeah. trick, right? It's just it's persistency over a long, long term, like stubbornness and yeah. willingness to just do that. Your uh, willingness and to like, suffer and do everything you don't want to do. <laughs> that was I talked about that we were when we were watching the Fibonacci. I was like at the end with the lunges, I was like, this is just willingness to suffer right here. Yeah. Like how long can you suffer for? And that's a short workout relative to some of the other ones. Oh, for sure. Six minutes. I think it was the cap on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's anyway. So that's the thing is it's, it's so easy to look at some of the, the glitz and glamor in some of those events or those documentaries and, and things like that and be like, Oh man, that looked really cool. Like it was super cool. But like, you know, it wasn't super chill. Those like days of three sessions after work. And then like, that sucked. Like, like, and what people forget is the training that you do isn't for your health. If you were doing no. training for your health, you'd be hitting the class. Yeah. And that's the huge, a huge difference between like CrossFit games and CrossFit, like community fitness, um, is the, the people who choose to compete and, and treat it as a sport. Uh, that's what it becomes. It's not, it's like any sport, like competing at the games, say like you're the NFL of CrossFit. Like, do you think those guys are healthy? Like, that's not good for you. Like you beat yourself up really bad. Yeah. There's a super high impact. Like, yeah, there's risk of injury. Yeah. There's this, yeah, there's that. But those are risks that you assume when you decide, Hey, I want to compete at this. Like it's the same with any sport. If you say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go play hockey. Like, you know, that you're going to get bumped around and there's risks that like, you get hit, you break something, you fall into the boards weird. Like, things happen right but yeah absolutely like we're pummeling ourselves pretty bad and i mean you have to be smart about it or you won't last for multiple years so most of the people who are willing to do it understand or have coaches that understand how to periodize that to protect you as best they can um we're gonna have to see now that there's there's the talks about how they're going to change the season and it sounds like some of it's going to make it a bit more year-round and i think that's dangerous personally but uh, because you don't, you lose that ability to take this rest of August, September, October to like let your, yourself come down, maybe focus on some like some strength training or some lower impact stuff um, and then ramp yourself back up. Because if you have to keep that, that peak uh, output and that your performance peaked all year round, people are going to burn out or they're going to get hurt. They're only going to last like a, I listened, a short uh, I listened career. to a podcast that said, they thought like it was going to take like seven to 10 years up. You know how like they talk about the NFL players and, and oh, taking time off your lifespan. Yeah. Off your lifespan. Do you read much into any yeah, of that? Not really. Um, like, I mean, that's so you're into wellness predict. as, as yeah. it is right. Like your job itself too is, yeah. is about general wellness. 
they say that about marathons. Like the number of marathons you run takes. X that's just time like of your life, because of but... general stress on the body. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I don't know. My argument. This people probably won't love this, but. I've been told a lot of times about like I have really bad shoulders from gymnastics, and they, like when I hurt my shoulder, my bicep there uh, a couple of years ago. Um, one of my concerns was like, if I'm working as a chiropractor, working with my hands a lot, like it's physical work, and it was like, am I going to have issues like arthritis in my shoulder at a younger age if I don't get this repaired? And uh, one of the doctors was basically like, it's like, how long did you compete in gymnastics? It's like, ah, oh, like. 12, 13 years, and he's like, and, when, and now you like your weightlifter, basically. I'm like, yeah, kinda. And he's like, so bad news, like you're gonna have arthritic shoulders, <laughs> <laughs> like, no matter what you do. And I was like, oh, so fair enough. And like, is that the way I look at it? Is like, okay, so let's say if I didn't ever do any like competing in cross, I just did the classes and be healthy, um, and I, I live five more years. Let's say I live to ninety. Uh, and I can do this. I have an opportunity to do this, travel around, have some really cool experiences, get some sweet medals, uh, and die at 85. Like, I'll take the 85, thanks. But like it's those, also, it's like the lung capacity years, thing. Those back end years aren't that valuable to me, I don't think. Like, at that point, I'm not really doing anything. Like, these years I can do something with, so do it. Like, that's how I see it, kind of. It's just, like, my personal outlook on that stuff is, like, don't save yourself for 90. Like, what are you going to do at 90? Yeah, you are born to pay bills and die. But that's, like, the lung capacity thing. You're, like, you know, did it affect you in the other workouts? You're, like, I don't know. Yeah, is this going to affect you when you're 80? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not Yeah, 80. it's a lot. All that stuff is, like, it's speculation based on whatever, extrapolation of data, right? But... I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm perfectly healthy now. I've got like my, I don't know, I like don't get sick very often. I'm, I'm about as healthy as I could hope to be. So I don't, I don't think that uh, I'm not going to make a problem where there isn't one. Well, you guys, thank you so much for coming and doing that with me. Thanks for coming to town. Yeah, yeah a small town Saskatchewan girl just here in the big city. But yeah, awesome workout today got an awesome podcast and I do honestly really appreciate you taking the time to sit down because I know like you said time is precious in your careers and workouts and all that other stuff so I really do appreciate everything Sweet. thanks guys. Pleasure. thank you a lot if you enjoyed the episode all I ask is that you screenshot it and share it on your Instagram story or feed to show your love this way the show can continue to grow and expand its listeners the show exists because of sponsorship, so in order for me to have sponsors support it, it needs to have a following of subscribers and ratings. Taking the time to share it with your followers will totally help keep it thriving. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, please get in touch with me and I can give you all of the details so we can start working on promoting and advertising your business. Head over to my Instagram page at sweat underscore effect for all of my insights, experiences, and daily dose of goodness. Until next time, keep on having fun and keeping fit.